You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 165, Captain Underpants, the epic first movie. Potty humor, it's evergreen. to support the Animation Addicts podcast is to start your shopping using our Amazon affiliate link, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. No matter if you're buying underpants or superhero capes or art supplies for your comic book, Amazon's got you covered. So thank you again for your support and on to the show. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I am your host, Chelsea Robson, along with my fabulous co-host, Morgan Stradling. Take a bow, take a bow. Hello, it is me, Super Morgan. Tra-la-la. We are so excited to have you guys here with us today. In case this is your very first episode, basically the Animation Addicts podcast is just a couple of friends sitting down talking nerdy stuff. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Sometimes we go off on tangents, but really, it's just like sitting on that nerdy couch where you're just like, that was funny. And we do it about every other week. And we love that you join with us. So thank you. Welcome. This actually is also brought to us by our patrons. This specific episode was requested by Demetrius. At the $10 level, you're able to put in your request for a different movie. And so he chose this one. And we also wanted to give a nice little patron shout out to our newest patrons, Nick V, BGGF, and Sol Carlos, who also upped hers to the $10 level. So thank you. Yes, thank you guys so much. We're really excited to be able to bring this podcast to you guys and the patrons make it possible. And our Amazon link, as mentioned before, but enough with that. Let's just dive right into this awesome movie. Yes. We got nowhere we need to be All right, we're starting off today with the nerdy couch discussion for anybody who is new. Basically, we take a random subject that's semi-connected to the film that we are going to be reviewing and just kind of like giving that random subject a space. And today, you know, it's really funny. As I'm watching this, this is like such an awesome prank movie. I just watch these kids and I'm like, wow, those are epic. I was never the kid that like pulled off a lot of pranks or whatever. Um, but there were a couple that I was just like, man, that one was awesome. And so I actually went into our Rotoscopers Patreon group on Facebook and I said, hey, anybody out there, I want to hear what you guys did for pranks uh, growing up or at any point in time. And I did get a couple. So would you like to hear them? Yes. Ooh, let's do it. Okay. Hi, Rotoscopers. This is Sol. So two funny pranks I did growing up. One was the empanada incident. So empanadas is snack food you eat in Argentina. And so you can fry them or put it in the oven to make them. But I was a kid and I didn't know. So I decided to put mine on the microwave, which result was smoke coming out of the microwave. And I open it and it's a black, like, 
burnt, <laughs> destroyed empanada. And so little Saul was like, hmm, what should I do with this? And so what I decided back in the day, I live in an apartment on the fourth floor, and I decided to throw the empanada from a window. So if someone was walking outside and saw a flying empanada or was hit by that empanada, that was my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the last thing is one time, um, you know, that thing when you ring the doorbell in your neighborhood and then you run. One time I didn't run fast enough and the neighbor opened the door and I was just very awkward. It was like, and he starts, you know, cursing in Spanish at me and very mad. And I was just like, um, I was just walking around here. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm just gonna go now. Okay. I was just so awkward and it was very, very embarrassing because the guy was very, very mad and he was like yelling at me, uh, all this stuff. And I just decided to leave. Um, and I didn't do that again <laughs> since that. So those were my stories and bye. So it looks like Sol learned some good lessons about her hijinks or her very short-lived career as a prankster. So you were never a one that did hijinks? I don't know. I feel like I, I've done them from time to time, but I was never actively seeking out opportunities to prank. I mean, at girls camp, I did. So, you know, every summer we would go to girls camp. And when you got older, it was like, ooh, we can prank the younger girls because, of course, that's what the older girls did to us. It's this horrible cycle of you getting <laughs> pranked and then you want to put that on them. It's like just a power play, but it's just not healthy. I mean, pranks are fine, but yes. Anyway, so, you know, I thought it would be hilarious to do all these pranks at camp. So I went to joke stores and bought like, you know, fart powder where like it would ex a fart bomb and it would explode and it was and it'd stink it up. It was supposed to be so, you know, stinky and then a whole bunch of other things. And I just remember the one time that I kind of used one of those, like all the girls were sitting around in their cabin, like in a big circle, like somewhere on their bed, somewhere weren't somewhere just on the floor. And I open, you know, the bomb, you have to like poke it or like puncture it. So it will like expand and I throw it out there and then I run away and it was just like, wah, wah, nothing. <laughs> it stink. Everyone just turned around slowly and looked at me like, what the heck are you doing? Please. Not cool. And not even not. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's one of the pranks that I remember. It definitely fell flat. I realized maybe this isn't for me. I'm having a hard time remembering that. I remember, <laughs> you know, <I've> been there. <laughs> well, I do remember that we did have that epic water war throughout girls camp that one year. So yeah, I think that's those... really a prank. No, or just having shenanigans and fun. Shenanigans, I guess, is more the what I'm looking for. Because <laughs> that one, I do remember having epic water wars, you know, because when we were young is when the parent trap came out, the newer one oh, with Lindsay Lohan. And right. so that was like. We all aspired to be as cool as them or to have as many cool hijinks as them. Right. That the honey, the, you know, you're stepping and it, it trips a wire and then just chocolate syrup falls down right. and then it tricks another, th it trips another thing and then feathers blow in your face. Epic. Epic. But of course, you know, that's the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I also was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, did I do anything in school? Well, the only thing that I was actually a part of that I remember being like a big enough part of it, I guess, unwillingly, 
was our senior year in high school. It was the last week during finals. And I, I couldn't remember all of the details, so I actually reached out to one of our old classmates. And he definitely remembered every bit of the story, so I'm going to play his voicemail. We are the real Brady, Brady Bros. Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg, and uh, who were you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of The Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why The Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Bros. I actually tell this story all the time. In the interim since high school, I ended up getting my doctorate in economics, and I teach it at ASU now, so I tell my students about this often. Here's what I remember. Mrs. Henney told us that she was going to curve the final exam the same way she said the AP exam got curved, where whatever the average was for the class, she would adjust that to an 80%, and then everybody would fall around that where they will. I suggested that we all just not take the exam, making the class average a zero, and then she would adjust that zero to an 80%, we'd all get a B. Miss Henney, I think, squashed that idea that if we all got zeros, she'd give us all zeros. But the next day, the day of the final exam came, and Miss Henney, our teacher, wasn't there. We had a substitute giving us the exam. And Eric Parks and I started convincing everyone to answer A on the first 10 questions. By random chance, we'd almost certainly get at least one question right. And since we all answered the same, we'd all get the same score. And we'd all get a B. Somehow, we managed to convince everybody in that class to do it. Something like 30 students, we all turned in the exam within minutes of it being handed out. And we had done it. It was exciting. And the substitute teacher then said, oh, nobody's allowed to talk, nobody's allowed to do anything for the remainder of the exam time. So we all just sat in silence. And then Chelsea came in. Because, you know, it was first hour. <laughs> um. <laughs> And the sub immediately put her out in the hall. And we had no opportunity to tell her about our plan. Uh, he forbid us from talking. And so our whole plan was about to bomb when one student, Chelsea, did really well. And everybody else did really bad. And it was going to you know, throw off that, that average and skew everything. Uh, so I remember vividly the TA for the class, another student, and I've forgotten her name. And I feel bad about it. Uh, but she was about to walk in. And I saw her about to open the door, and I was sitting kind of close to the door, and so I motioned. I said, you know, motion, stop, don't come in. And she did. She stopped and looked through the window. And I did the best I could, just trying to sign with my hands, telling her, tell the student in the hall to put A on the first 10 questions. And that worked. Chelsea got the message. And I think maybe the unanswered A on all the questions, but still she came in and handed in her exam, and the substitute looked at it and said, she did it. And we all celebrated, all erupted in celebration. It was amazing that we had pulled this off. After it was all over, Miss Henny got to school. I think like right after our class ended, she got back to school. And a lot of students were nervous about whether or not the plan would succeed and asked her. And in a twist of fates, I've seen Miss Henny a number of times. Uh, she teaches economics at Mesa Community College now, and we work together on projects at the Arizona Council on Economic Education. So we've talked about this, and she told me that a bunch of students had cheated on the plan a little bit, putting down a few extra right answers here and there to try to get a little boost to their grade. 
And she uses this story all the time in her class as well to teach about incentives and stuff. So uh, she decided to let everybody retake the exam. And there was also something about another student who had been on medical leave that was going to throw it off. And so once people started retaking the exam, we all had to do it. Uh, so even though we did have to retake it in the end, like after school one day, uh, I really count it as a huge success. I can't believe we pulled it off. It was such a fun act of rebellion in our last semester, senior year of high school. And I just love that story. See, here's the thing. I would have absolutely been one of those students who did not put A at all and just would have taken my test as usual. So I could have got the best grade. I am (laughs) definitely Hermione Granger, would not have gone for this. And that's why collusion doesn't work or very, the, the, the payoff or the incentive just wasn't wasn't worth it. The other incentive was, okay, if everyone's going to do this, they're going to get X grade. But if I do that, I get a better grade. And it's it's the prisoner's dilemma of, do you, are you going to snitch on, you know, if let's say if we both snitch, we're going to get 10 years. If I snitch and the other person doesn't, I get, you know, only two years in prison and they're going to get 20, you know, but and then the same vice versa for the other person. If I get 20 years if they snitch and I don't. So Ultimately, you know, you can do this exercise again and again and again, and people are going to do, they're self-interested. They're going to do what's best for them. And, you know, there's an optimal thing to do, which in theory, and then if no one snitches, then they don't go to, zero people go to jail. So in theory, it's like, yes, they shouldn't snitch, but there's the fear of the other person snitching, which then puts me down. So usually, typically both snitch, or in this case, both will do their best, and then, yeah. Anyway, that's, sorry to go all, that is actually economics. Or more of a no, it is. But that game that theory was... perspective. But uh, yeah, I would not have would not have gone for this plan. No way, Jose. See, and that's <laughs> that's the thing is I know I everybody in this class we were just so tired from all of it was like the idea of not having to do one final. Like of all the finals we have to do, if we can just not do economics, that would be amazing. And so that this whole discussion had happened prior and we were just talking about it like, oh, what could we do? Could it really work? And but the thing is, I, I because I got there the, that morning late and I didn't know whether or not this was actually going to happen. But I remember them talking about it and trying to convince everybody. And so that was the, the dilemma is they had already put in their papers like the first 10 questions as a were done. Mm-hmm. Everyone's done. But then I come in late. And they're like, no, right, right. <laughs> but because I like saw that they were freaking out so much, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we are going for this whole thing. So, but I didn't understand. I didn't know that they were doing like the first ten, the so nuance, was, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll just do all A, like all of them. And so, in this theory. I would have actually gotten the highest grade in the class <laughs> and mm-hmm, everyone mm-hmm. else got a B or whatever it was. And so I was like super thrilled about this. Here is the actual horrible part though, that the teacher also wasn't going to, didn't tell us until later. And the reason why we had to actually retake all of the final was because our common friend, Elizabeth, had gotten really sick and she was in that class as well. And so she was actually out for the last couple of weeks of the semester in the hospital. And so because of that, Miss Henny was like, Hey, we're going, I'm just going to take her the last test that she did 
and count that as her final, which meant that everybody's just got <laughs> just like slammed. wiped out, slammed <laughs> out. <laughs> and then uh, Brian, like he talked to her after and he's like, yeah, no, I, I, knew, I remember that. And I told her, no, that is not fair. You shouldn't be using her as in with our scores because that doesn't totally really because well. it's completely different questions and right, right right and she's like yeah i probably shouldn't have done that but it got everybody to take the test again <laughs> right <laughs> i was like oh man <laughs> but right. see it was i would say that even though i wasn't the fact that i caught on and still went along with it not knowing that that was actually going to be it and i I really was not wanting to take the final either. So I was like, okay, they're doing that. So I'm just going to go along with it as well. I feel like we won. And it was like everybody had this big old party the rest of the hour. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) We thought we were so smart. (laughs) Look at us now. Look at us now. Well, look at him now. I'm I'm proud of him. Look at him. He's a doctor (laughs) in economics. Like, no wonder he was the one. He was the ringleader. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. If you have any fun things that you'd like to share with us, any any hijinxes or antics that you guys pulled that would think would be really funny, just go ahead and go to the episode document on the website. You can go to rotoscopers.com slash 165 and be able to get in on the conversation there. Maybe give a couple people some new ideas on what they can do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the younger generation. Let's Let's build them up. What is happening right now? I don't know. Let's try and leave and see what happens. Wow, that's an expensive door. Mm-hmm. From the studio that brought you Shrek, Kung Fu Panda, and Madagascar. Hi, I'm George Beard, and this is my best friend Harold Hutchins. We just make comics and try to make each other laugh. And this old guy is Mr. Crook. George Harold! He's the worst principal in the world. Ever since you've attended this school, you've been responsible for one prank after another. <laughs> Some of those must have been really hard to pull off. Like that tiger? Oh, that tiger was crazy. Ah! I told you I would get you one day. I'm going to have you two placed in separate classes. We're going to annihilate the friendship. <laughs> George, do something. Put the pin down, Mr. Krupp, or we'll hypnotize you. <laughs> Stop breathing. Oh, what's happening? I don't know. Ah! When I snap my fingers, you will obey our every command. <gasps> You are now oh, the, the amazing, amazing Captain Underpants! Tra-la-la! I honestly didn't think that would happen. This summer... Come, sidekick! <gasps> we gotta stop him! What? Ha-ha! Out of the road, Bozo! Why, thank you, vehicle person. Ow! Yep, we should probably go get him. Their greatest creation... Captain Underpants, you can't actually fly! I take to the sky like an ostrich! Wow, he is super dumb. He's now their biggest problem. Stand down, you monster! I think I'm starting to tire him out! Based on the worldwide phenomenon... Hiya, class! I'm your cool new teacher, not some scary guy with a secret evil agenda. Guys, I totally got this. Yeah, totally, he's got it. Kevin Hart, Ed Helms, Thomas Middleditch, Nick Kroll... When it's cut all together like that, you really get a sense of the scope. DreamWorks Captain Underpants. Poor soul, you're trapped in some sort of invisible box-like prison. Is it okay that I'm kind of loving this? Yes and no. I will set you free. Oh, but mostly yes. 
All right, so on to the main discussion. Today we're going to be talking about Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. And this was filmed that came out last year. It's fairly recent. We didn't review it when it initially came out. Chelsea did see the press screening for it and did a review on YouTube, which we'll include in the show notes. But this is our first time talking about it on the podcast. And it's nice. It's a few months removed. It's obviously come out on Blu-ray. It was released on Netflix. That's how I was able to watch it. So I'm excited to be able to talk about this movie. And again, thanks to Demetrius for recommending it as his patron pick. But let's dive into it. So first, general info. Just to set the stage for this film, you know, this obviously comes from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, Wikipedia, the studio, as we said before, DreamWorks Animation. Now, this is a different than, now, this is different than majority of DreamWorks films and the fact that they were really just the producer of this. The animation was not done in-house. It was done by Micros Image Montreal, who did entirely the animation for this. And it definitely looks different than your traditional DreamWorks films, which have a, like, they all have different styles, but then it just feels DreamWorks more or less as like a cohesive unit. But this one was so completely different. It definitely stuck 100% true to the book and the style and just kind of 3D-ized it mm-hmm. or CGI-ized it. I don't know. And, uh, but, but as a result, because they were able to have the animation done elsewhere, they, their costs were significantly lower. So, before we go into that, the director was David Soren, and the release date, like we said, this was a few months ago, June second, two thousand seventeen. Budget thirty eight million dollars, which is mind blowing in twenty seventeen awesome. that DreamWorks could have a budget that low. I feel like nowadays it's just very common seventy plus up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and definitely up, 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 depending on you know how big it is or where you're wanting to go with it. But that is very tight and very impressive to be honest because the quality I think feels it feels theatrical and it doesn't feel like they necessarily cut corners in any way and I think that really goes to the fact that this has such a different style that it just works very very well now as a result how did it do in the box office was this a flop was this a bomb did it do great it did 125 million dollars worldwide which is very good considering the budget right it's not like they had this 70, $80 million budget. And so they really didn't make that much. They really did a great job with this film. It wasn't a runaway success. It wasn't the next frozen, you know, I think they would have appreciated at least being in the $200 million mark. However, this wasn't a bomb in any way. It did actually receive very, very positive reviews from critics, which is interesting considering the topic, which we'll go into and we'll talk about the history of this property, but yeah, so, you know, audiences and critics alike liked it, and enough people went out and saw it in the summer. It came out at the same time as Wonder Woman, so it never was number one in the box office, at least in the United States. It was always number two to Miss Wonder Woman herself, but that's definitely understandable since that was the big blockbuster at that time, uh, at least in early June. So before we go into that, we'll talk about these books, because these books were towards the tail end of... I guess my childhood leading into preteen years. Uh, that's when they came around. They were released in 1997. And the author is Dav Pilkey. So I was 11 when these came out. And I was preteen, you know what I mean? Fifth or sixth grade. And this was really not my cup of tea. I definitely remember them being a hit and everyone loving them and seeing them at the scholastic book fairs and, and kids reading them quite a bit. It was quite a phenomenon. And I think 
part of it was the scandalous name, The Adventures of Captain Underpants. You know, it's and with a name like that, you kind of know what you're getting into. It really sets the stage. And just at that point in time in my life, I wasn't really too interested in reading these types of books. Perhaps five, four years earlier, yeah. but I don't even know. Even then, I'm not sure if these quite would have been my cup of tea. They were definitely more a hit with boys. And that's the, definitely their target audience. I wouldn't have been into this I just know myself and it's right. like mm, no <laughs> and even going into this movie I was still like mm, not sure if I'd like to like to see this but you know it that doesn't just because we weren't fans right. doesn't mean it doesn't have fans because it has quite a bit of fans uh since 2016 there have been nearly 70 million books sold worldwide with 50 million of that being in the United States the United States, we and our boys love their potty humor, right? And that's kind of one of the main underpinnings of this series. <laughs> like I said, with the title Captain Underpants, it's fair game. You kind of are opening the kimono in a way, or the panties, for that to come. This movie definitely has its fans, but it also definitely has its detractors. It's one of the most banned books in book series in existence and i think obviously <laughs> it's because of the topics of underwear and it focuses a lot on these potty humor and fart jokes and so it's one of the most censored in books in the fact that just libraries don't carry it because there's so much uproar from parents and parents really just need to calm down <laughs> i don't believe in censorship there's obviously things <laughs> that i will and won't watch but i get to choose what that is right and yeah. And so it's just really funny, even through, even in the year 2012, 15 years after this original book had been released, and there's been plenty of other books released in the series since then, but it's still one of the most frequently challenged books, even in 2012. And I just think that's kind of hilarious because I think there's bigger fish to fry if you're really going to challenge something, but they really just said that this is, it. it's unsuited for the age group. There's tons of insensitivity that... They, that it, it and it also promotes uh, disobeying authority, which what kids movie or TV show or whatever does it like? That's what all kids are all about. It's like yeah, kids rule, parents drool. It's really funny to me. Um, right. And regarding this this franchise, even from the very beginning, the author was approached to make it a movie, but he was absolutely not and not interested. Even at the very beginning, DreamWorks approached the author and said, hey, we want to turn this into a film or a property. And absolutely not. He was not interested, uh, did not want to sell the rights. So he continued to make more books and novels. And his dad was sick uh, for a period. So there weren't some books released around, you know, the late middle to late 2000s. And then finally, it was announced in 2011 that he was ready to make a film and he had sold the rights. And I'm sitting here thinking like, hmm. Yeah, it's because you had this crazy amount of success at the very beginning of 1997. It's like, you don't want to sell out so soon. Your book just barely came out. And then he rode this huge right. wave because Captain Underpants, it's not like it was a one-hit wonder. The, the preceding novels were also quite big, you know. And so I imagine there was just this wave for quite a few years where Captain Underpants was just this amazing property for him. And yes, he did take a time off, you know, for family things but then he came back and started publishing more but I'm sure at that point it'd been 15-ish years 
things had started to slow down a bit. I can't imagine that the popularity was the same as it right. was in 97, 98, 99. Uh, so, of course, he was like, hmm, I need to make more money. And this is 100% Morgan speculation. <laughs> you know, I need to make more money off this. It's what I would do. It's actually. time to make a movie. <laughs> and it's actually really interesting that, you know, even here, 2017, it has done quite well and still has an audience nearly 20 years later yeah i think it was brilliant of him i mean he rides that wave as far as he can take it and then once the wave starts coming down throw back like, let's bump it up again because <laughs> it's not like kids change like kids are always going to be interested mm -hmm. in this little potty humor you know so it's like it's so evergreen it's potty humor evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about the film. Oh, so regarding the movie, I kind of went into this not having read the books, having that preconceived notion about like, oh, this is so juvenile. Captain Underpants, hooray! You know, great. This is definitely not something that I have interest in at all. And the movie really, really impressed me. It was very silly, and yes, there were fart jokes and toilet humor galore. But I already kind of expected that going in because of just the name. So I didn't really have a problem with it because I knew, okay, this is what we're going to get. Yeah. What I got going into it, I knew it was going to be a, I figured it would be a big thing just because like, for example, when we first, when the story about this movie first broke and we put it on our website, <laughs> it crashed our website right. for like three days. It was just like, it was just huge amounts of people were going toward this article and then on top of that, I made a video on YouTube just like saying, hey, just talking about this because obviously people want to know about this news. So I made a news story video about it. And for, you know, up until its release, it was one of our top searched videos. And so I was like, man, mm -hmm. this is going to be a big thing. But so I, I went in thinking, okay, I right. don't think I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> but... In the same way, I brought my nieces, and my nephew wasn't even able to come. I, I think he would have really enjoyed mm -hmm. it, but they really liked it. And so from then on, they were like, <laughs> sing, tra-la-la, you know, they were just doing all these funny things. It's like, oh, and they did this, and they would remember these, like, silly things that I'm like, oh, I, that totally right. <laughs> I didn't realize that happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that, that was on screen. Um, but it was just like, I was very impressed. I felt like it had an, it kept you interested enough throughout the whole thing that you never felt like you were out of the loop i guess it was fast paced and the animation itself was interesting and it was just fun like and you just really liked these characters so mean old mr krupp he hates anything fun i liked this character of just like I, my favorite part was when you go into his office and there's a placard on the door or on his desk that says hope <laughs> stops here or something. Yeah, and he, has the demotivational, and he has the like, demotivational yes. poster that's like detention and then some blurb underneath it, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's right, a total right. stick in the mud. No fun. What a horrible principal. He's just, just absolutely hates these boys. And the two boys are George and... Harold. So they're best friends. They've been together, you know, for four years, basically since the beginning of their elementary school years. And George is the one who writes the stories. They come together and they've decided to create all these comics. 
And Harold is the one who illustrates it. So they've created quite a little partnership and they have this little company, you know, pseudo company, Treehouse Comics, Inc. And they spend their time having fun, playing and writing comics. And it's great. And they are such a fun little duo. And I love seeing their imagination and just how they think and act. I feel like I relate to them on a personal level. <laughs> if we had our own treehouse, I think we would definitely have a matching carpet that had our logo on it. <laughs> I was like, I like these kids. I like them a lot. <laughs> you know, there's the stars of it. You had Kevin Hart and Thomas Middlejitch were the stars of this. And then you had Ed Helms as Captain Underpants, which also you, he got a really fun time because he his character was so both sides of the spectrum. I feel like that would be a really fun right, role right. to play as well. So things go in like you start get you start meeting different people. So you have Melvin Sneedley, who is the that little right. I feel like <laughs> that would also be in male cases. It's also the super smart guy who has 11 or so inventions that he's doing at this inventor's fair, which I'm like, I'm pretty sure they only held this fair for you. Like no one else has inventions. It's just because you're the teacher's (laughs) or principal's pet and you're here to showcase everything that you've invented and you're forcing everyone on Saturday to come to this for hours. Which again, they're just painting this great picture of how lame and mean this principal is and how much they despise him. And then we find out that they, you know, ever since the beginning of time have been these little pranksters to, to liven it up and add some fun. And they've never been caught. Yes. But I honestly, I think that this was a, you know, the whole ruse in itself was just a plan to get them caught because he did put right. his little nanny monitor right. in the, in the little turtle. <laughs> Okay, the turtle was so funny because was it a turtle? I don't know. Whatever that little green thing was, I'm pretty sure it was a turtle. But they, he like the moments when he's like, "Are you looking for this?" Because they're going to try and find this turtle and in the principal's office, but they can't find it. And then come to find out, he comes in. And he's like, "Ha ha ha! I have it taped to my ankle." Like, and I never take it off, even in the shower. And it, like, cries. I was like, these were moments that I was like, you know what? This is so over the top that I just totally am good with this humor. I like it. And it, that's what yeah, it did a I really great job of world building, making it relatable. A lot of us have been to elementary school. We've lived this. And, you know, we've had those teachers or those principals who just are no fun. We have a best friend. There's always, you know, the the angst, and it's so true, of being in separate classes. It just happens, you know, when you and your best friend are in separate classes, you kind of grow apart. It's something that happens because it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And so, you know, yes, you are my best friend. I love you. You're the coolest, but I just don't see you that much. You know, that's like the awkward and then introducing sock puppets, which is another really fun element. The animation itself, (laughs) like we talked about, was very nice. It was fresh. It was different. It was it was very true to style for the book, but they just added these really fun moments, like the sock puppets and these flip books and things. They were so fun. I loved the it's sock really puppet. refreshing. I felt like the sock puppet moment was like one of my favorite moments, just because it really did take you out. Break it. I don't know if you would say it broke the fourth wall. I don't. It didn't do that, but it definitely like it kept you on your toes. You were like, oh, now mm-hmm. we're here's something totally different and in their mind yeah and it's actually interesting you mentioned breaking the fourth wall it does that at the beginning because they're talking to the audience 
and introducing themselves. This is our school. This is yeah. my best friend. This is our comic book. This is our tree house. This is the lame principal. And I don't, it's not totally uncommon, but I just thought it was a very unique way for them to set up the story. And then they continue to talk to you throughout, which is very interesting because you feel very involved because they are to you. Yeah. So later in, we also get a nice, well, first off, the main antagonist is Mr. Krupp. And so they overcome his nastiness by hypnotizing him, which I really want one of those fabulous hypno rings that was built out of the the most crazy plastic right. <laughs> in the bottom pit of China. <laughs> oh, and then, um, so they, you know, snap, he's a duck, snap, he is Captain Underpants. And he's like, I love right. this. This is awesome. But then... He's like, don't worry, Captain Underpants, there's no evil villains here. And then, ah, 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 enter Professor P, which we find out later has the absolute best potty name ever, Professor P.P. Diarrhea Stein Esquire. Oh, dear. Guys, that's just too much. This is where all the parents in the audience go, ugh. I did not laugh at really any of the potty <laughs> humor, and I don't know if necessarily supposed to. No. I believe I've moved on from that stage of my life, if that was ever a thing. And But the kids, the kids loved it. <laughs> the fact that they come up with the Turbo Toilet 2000 when they bump that up and make it a giant toilet that goes after everything. It's just so over the top. Yeah. One thing that I like, you mentioned that Mr. Krupp is the antagonist, but he's also one of our main protagonists when he flips and becomes Captain Underpants. Right. And it's just crazy the completely different, you know, 180 persona that he takes where he's actually very jovial and happy and night cool to be around and eventually has all these amazing superpowers and things that he's able to do. And they really like him because you know, they're able to convince him to do things that clearly the principal would not do of his own accord. But I just liked that juxtaposition because it was kind of a Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde, where you are really two different people yeah. and one's very altruistic and happy and jovial. And the other's the complete opposite and just wants to destroy their lives at all costs. Yeah. I also like that Captain Underpants is this invention of their imagination and they just kind of turn it into this comic book series. They have multiple issues. You know, the very, very beginning, it's the... It's the backstory issue, you know, the origin story of Captain Underpants. Like, oh, man, we should have started with that. But, you know, well, it's how it goes. And they have all these <laughs> stories. And then he comes to life very miraculously where he looks the same. He acts the way that they do. And Captain Underpants likes to read it. And, and then at the end of the day, you know, things all kind of resolve. Even the principal says, oh, they're pretty good stories. And then it's not the end of Mr. Yeah. Underpants. Or he's, don't call me Mr. That's my father. Captain. Well, that's why they definitely titled this Captain Underpants right. the first epic right. movie, you know, opening up for sequels. So good for them. So what were some of your favorite moments or antic shenanigans that this movie had? I really liked the part where they're going through all of their first pranks that they did is like, oh man, that tiger, man, good on them. <laughs> like, what? Like, wow, these kids are really good. I also really enjoyed the sock puppet moment. That was my favorite, I think, all around moment. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack was pretty awesome, too. I'm looking at different the songs that they had and the the Saturday song, 
was really fun because it's like, oh man, right, right, right. I get to wear my PJs all day. It's great. Saturday's the best. Oh my gosh. And then they're like, uh oh, we've got to go to this right. thing. Wah, wah. And it turns all gray and rainy and horrible day ever. And which is definitely how it feels when you have to do hey, something that's your on a day <laughs> for school. Like, no, don't make me do that. I really liked the very end where it has a friend like you. That one's a fun song. It's actually done by Andy Grammer, who, if you haven't listened to some of his stuff, he's really cool. I like him a lot. And then you have the Captain Underpants theme song, which is actually done by Weird Al Yankovic, which I thought was, yes, that is makes perfect sense as to why he would be the one to do the theme song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ed helps, so good for yeah, you. Know, know. I, I liked the pacing of this movie. <laughs> I thought that just from the very beginning, it didn't slow down in places, and I really felt that it was moving along at a really, really great pace. And I was invested. They spent just enough time setting the stage with the characters, the elementary school. Oh, now we find out they're pranksters, and then oh, the principal sucks. Oh, and now they're going to be separated. So that was like the big moment of oh, the world's going to end as we know it, you know, and then things they find a way to change it, enter Captain right. Underpants. And then off we go with this other story. And then, of course, a, you know, this villain teacher comes in and have to solve that. And, you know, next thing you know, you're done. You, you solved it. You, you, they yeah. saved the day. Captain Underpants is the hero, but we can't keep him forever. And then they kind of turn him back, but not at the very end, you know, he makes his reappearance. And so I just always felt that this movie moved along at a very nice pace where it never lagged or was just something that I was spent too much time on certain potty humor or certain scenes, which was which was great. And I appreciated because, again, going into this, I wasn't really sure. I mean, to be honest, I waited until the 11th hour to watch this movie because it was just like, ugh. That is not something that I want to watch. But now, having done so, it was very entertaining and enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. Um, there were a couple spots toward the end, like mm-hmm. in the you know epic fight scene with the toilet paper and everything like that. Um, that was kind of where right. I kind of I got distracted. But that was on a, a home watching. I don't think I was distracted in the theaters when I first saw it. Um, but I think that was. If there were a, was a spot that I felt like, okay, let's, you know, could skip all this or not all of this, but some of this, that would be a part. Um, but in general, I felt like it was just an all around good film. I've, I mean, I was happy through it. And I remember my, my nieces thought it was awesome. And I was very impressed considering right. I went in with like zero expectations. Right. Like negative <laughs> expectations. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's not saying so much. But it's saying enough that I'm like, yeah, go ahead, watch it. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll have a good time. And it won't be something that you're like, oh, I want an hour and a half of my life back. Right. Which does happen with quite a few films. Yes, it does. <laughs> so what were some of the big themes that stood out to you in this film? Definitely friendship. Um. Kids will be kids, and the fact that you have a partner in crime always makes it more fun. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I listen to this, and I, I just thought of, like, you know what? That is, it's awesome when you can find people who are your people. And that's kind of how I feel about Rotoscopers and just the community that we've created with the, the website and, you know, Patreon and everything like that. It's just, like, everybody in there is just, we all just enjoy it, and we all just, like, 
get it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't have to explain yourself. Yeah, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to make excuses. Well, don't judge me. Because <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. um, we're all here. <laughs> right. We're all laughing. So I feel like that is probably one of the biggest things. It's like, make sure to find somebody or something that like gets you. Like you got to find those people. Yeah, I definitely think that's the biggest one. I don't know necessarily this film had tons of themes or was super deep, but it wasn't really meant to be. It was just to tell a really fun story about two boys, their friendship, their imaginary character turned real, and the adventures that a superhero has to do saving the day. You know, it's very much like The Incredibles. And I imagine kind of The Incredibles 2, we're going to have a big bad guy who comes and creates all sorts of havoc in any superhero film, you know, whether it's Marvel or DC, whatever. It's it kind of follows the superhero formula. So in that way, it was a little formulaic because like the bad guy was very obvious. It was like, okay, we're going to have to get rid of him. But for the most part, very fun, very light, not too heavy. So I'm just going to go. Wait, I have one more thing. I also saw that the most of the big changes happened when they were able to like hook up Mr. Krupp with the, with the other teacher or who is she? The lunch lady. Edith. Edith, yes. When you see how like how really pathetic and just sad his life is, you're like, oh man, that sucks, guy. No wonder mm-hmm. you're making everybody else's life suck. But you know, I like at the very end, he's like, it felt nice to do something nice for Mr. Krupp. Let's never do it again. Yeah, let's never do it again. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's like it kind of shows in a back, you know, backdoor kind of way. It's like the reason why generally why people are not nice or have bad attitudes or whatever is because something in their life is missing and they like they themselves need to be cheered up somehow and a lot of times it is it is in our best interest to help a guy out even though he may seem to be the enemy of the story mm, yes i got that so cool so what would you rate it oh i think i get a three and a half stars for me It was not up to a four-star level, but definitely watchable, definitely fun. I liked the little inside jokes that they had. Uh, Quiet vibes, quiet vibes. (laughs) Like little things that were just like, you were cute. It was fun, uh, enjoyable, all around good good vibes. So three and a half for me. Nice. Yeah, I'm likewise going to give this three and a half stars. I went into this, like Chelsea, with very low expectations, almost not even excited about watching this movie. And then even from the very beginning was very entertained and surprised. It kept surprising and delighting me as I was watching it. And there really weren't too many lulls or lags that brought it back down. So it wasn't the most amazing film I'd ever seen. However, for what it was, I left with a very positive impression of this, these characters, this series can definitely see why it has so much popularity among kids. Yeah. And the door is wide open for a sequel. I uh, don't necessarily need to see a sequel. I kind of liked how it wrapped up, but I understand why they opened the door at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, three and a half stars. Awesome. Let us know what you thought by going to rotoscopers.com slash 165 and adding your comments to that page. We'd love to hear it. So before we go, let's jump into some of our voicemail reviews. Awesome. Hello, Rotoscopers. Uh, this is Dante Panara. Uh, so about that Captain Underpants movie, um, I was like the biggest fan of the books when I was a kid in the 2000s because it was at school book fairs like everywhere. 
But looking at it now, years later, as like a 19-year-old, near 20-year-old man, uh, it's definitely a, a kid's movie. Yeah, uh, and that's that's perfectly okay. Like, I wish I had seen this like 10 years ago. I probably would have loved it. Uh, it removes some of the gross-out humor, and uh, Captain Underpants doesn't have his powers for most of the movie, so that was kind of my favorite part of the books. But I still liked it for what it was. Um, what interests me the most about this movie is that it only cost $38 million to make, and I looked into the reasons for that, and that was... It was mostly just, uh, they were very smart about it. Like, they didn't, they had a very simple art style. They picked very carefully which environments they used. But also, they got the script locked down very early. So, I was wondering why other animated films can't, don't have their, some, some take, like, two to three years to get a good script, the script they want. So, maybe more films should follow in Captain Underpants' uh, lead. But that's just my opinion. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think the reason why, you know, because it came from books, you already had a good formula. And so it was probably a mm -hmm. whole lot easier to get the script ready so quickly. Right. It's probably my... Yeah, I, I hadn't read the first book, but I was kind of reading a synopsis and it, it really kind of follows similar vein, you know, where, with the principal and hypnotizing him and he's turning into Captain Underpants and whatnot. And these two best friends. I mean, if you even look at the initial, if you even look at the initial cover, it's, it's those two boys. I mean, there really wasn't much deviation from the original that they did. So it was very clean and tight what they were able to do with this and off they go. Yeah. yeah. And I do, I like his point where he says, I'm, I was in, Yeah, I was all in for these books, but now I can see they're definitely for kids and that's fine. You know, that's why we kind of grow up and move away from things and some things we don't. But this was one of them, and it was, like we said, it was a good movie. He called out some more of the potty humor. He would have definitely cleaned it up a bit. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of was, it is what it is, but I could definitely see that. Yeah. Hi, Redoscopers. My name is Matthew Latham. I started listening to your podcast in 2014, and my first one with the rollout was Hercules. Gotta know your clouds. Um, I did not, I was not able to review this movie, but... I wanted to pose you a question. What do you think with all the sequels that Disney is p putting out? You know, like we're getting Frozen 2, and then this year we're getting Wreck-It Ralph 2. I was sort of disappointed because with the Disney revival, I was really excited with Tangled and Frozen. We were going to get a whole nother batch of these awesome Disney adventures, and now we're just getting sequels. I do trust Disney more than I trust, say, Blue Sky or DreamWorks because they're better with the story, but I don't know. Anyway, thank you for creating this podcast, and thank you for the voicemail. Bye. Awesome. Well, thank you for sending that. I love hearing all these new callers and listeners. It's nice to hear the same voices, but it's nice also to hear new voices. So if you've ever wanted to call in and haven't, just do it. It's even just a simple question. Just do it. It's so fun to hear you guys. So talking about the Disney sequels, I feel like this was something that our writers group was talking about recently. And... It's interesting because, like he says, in the revival era, it was all this like somewhat new films. Yes, they were some were based on fairy tales and whatnot, but they were new and exciting. Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, so much awesome stuff. And now we really are kind of entering this next phase for Disney animation where it's going to be Wreck-It Ralph 2. I'll put The Incredibles 2 in there, Frozen 2. And it's kind of this, I think we were talking about this in the podcast actually as well, that it's kind of like the first time that Disney's brought their sequels to theaters. I mean, right. there's been a few here and there that have made it, 
but it's, I think just cause they know they're going to be such big hits and it'll be even bigger hit releasing theatrically versus just doing it on the cheap and re- making, you know, still a ton of money direct to video. Right. I, I also, I also think that the direct to video market is not what it once was. No. So there really isn't the incentive there because people aren't buying DVDs, VHSs, or Blu-rays like they used to. I hope you're not buying VHSs still, guys. We need <laughs> to talk if that's still the case. But I feel like back when those first came out, you bought every single one, and there was no question about it. Now it's like, I really don't buy too many movies because I can you know, rent it or stream it on Netflix and whatnot where there's all these partnership deals and I'm already subscribed and I kind of get more or less everything that I need. Right. Yeah. So I think that is one of the bigger factors is the home media market is not what it used to be. So there's, there's really no other option. I'm not definitely not going to release frozen two as direct to video. Uh, I think the decline of the Tinkerbell series is maybe an indicator of what's happening with that market. But I am worried because yes, Disney's great, but they are so sequel heavy right now for all of their properties, live action and animation, Mm -hmm. that I feel they're building this house that is going to collapse on them. Uh, Star Wars, you know, for the next foreseeable future, we're having a Star Wars film in one way, shape or another, whether it's one of part of the trilogy or a spinoff series every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, if you look, you know, when they do their D23 or they do their big panels talking about the studios and they show, oh, their timeline of the next five years it's all sequels mm-hmm. that at least that they're promoting and doing. And it's very worrisome because that their eggs are all in those sequel baskets. And I think because they've already put so much into the initial franchise or film, it did ex- exceedingly well. And they want to keep riding that wave. And I just worry that there's going to be a lot of fatigue from audiences. And I think we are starting to see that a little bit where it's people are kind of getting tired of the same old, same old, and they want something new. So I think we will see the pendulum swing back to more original films, but we probably won't see it for five, 10 years because Disney's all in and in this, and they're going to play it out and see how it goes. And I, I don't, I'm never wanting a company to fail, but part of me kind of, you know, wants there to be a balancing out again with it. So those are my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you look at, he mentioned Blue Sky and DreamWorks, and we look at some of their films that they've really had huge home run monetarily wise, not necessarily story wise, but monetarily, you know, Shrek films were the thing. They're the biggest movies out there over, there's a couple that are upwards a billion dollars. Um, And then you also have the Ice Age franchise, which went crazy you know they had four of those but it's like the third one was huge and so like i totally see why they're disney's like um why haven't we jumped on this bandwagon why haven't we just really milked our products for as much as we can get out of them so i can see their temptation like man money 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 so i can totally see that but just like you it's like I feel like that's starting to come across. At least to me, it feels like the fact that you're not even trying to put out anything new to me just feels like you're really just trying to milk it. And so that puts a sour taste in my mouth and it just makes me kind of sad in general. And the fact that you have all of the live actions that it's like you're really not trying to do anything new. Like, mm-hmm. really. So that's 
that's where I'm at. Right. Absolutely. I did like how he mentioned his very first episode that he was on was uh, that he listened Hercules. to Hercules. And that's actually going to be our next Roto rewatch for the patrons. So. Ooh, yes, it is. I can't wait, man. I love Hercules I so love much. I cannot wait to start <laughs> recording that, to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to want to go play the piano music and then sing some songs. And, uh, it'll be good. Anyways. <laughs> More singing. Patreon only perk. You get to hear us talk about it again, but even better. <laughs> <laughs> but better. <laughs> Tra-la-la. Hello, this is Alex calling in to give my review of Captain Underpants. I think that this is DreamWorks' best film since How to Train Your Dragon 2. I enjoyed the voice acting, despite my initial concerns that having adults voice child characters would be distracting, and I appreciated the humor. In fact, I think that this is one of DreamWorks' funniest films. However, there are a few issues that I have with Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. My main problem is that the plot seems a bit rushed. I realize that this is far from DreamWorks' most ambitious film, and I appreciate that. But I feel that the film could have been slightly longer in order to more smoothly show the transition between principal Krupp and Captain Underpants. In addition, the score was not that memorable. It was nowhere near the levels of How to Train Your Dragon or Kung Fu Panda. However, I enjoyed this film and think that it is one of the best animated films from last year. Overall, I give it four stars out of five. Bye! Tra-la-la! Episode. Yes, this has been a really fun movie, a new movie for me. And at first, when it was recommended, you know, it's a patron pick, and those are, you know, sacred cows. And I feel sometimes that we do films that we don't that are patron pick, but then we don't really have that great of things to say. Like I kind of felt bad with Jungle Book too that we really didn't have a ton of great things to say about it. But and then so someone, you know, someone's pick was that, you know, and I, we try to do our best, but again, we have to be honest with how we're feeling. And so when I saw this, I'm like, oh, here we go again. But it, <laughs> it surprised me in all the best ways, except for potty humor was not surprised there. Wow. <laughs> all right, guys. So for more show notes about this episode, all the links we've been talking about and to join in the discussion, tell us your favorite p- pranks and hijinks when you were younger, or maybe like you did last week. I don't know. Go to rosecovers.com slash one six five and tell us there. You can also tweet about the episode. You can use hashtag animatics and hashtag animatics165 to talk about this particular episode on Twitter. We will join you in that conversation. Also, to send us a voicemail, our next movie is actually going to be No Name, which is an anime film that recently came out. Be sure to send in your voicemails ahead of time, rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, and give us a call at 406-646-6575. Send them in early. We do frequently get too many, and so we aren't able to play all of them, but we will play uh, the ones that come in early or the best ones or both. So 
Thanks for sending in voicemails. It was nice to hear some new voices today on the show. And of course, you can support the show. We talked about our Patreon, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. Again, shout out to those new patrons, Nick V, BGGF, and Sol Carlos. Welcome to the Roto Gang. And also, like I mentioned, you can start your Amazon shopping at rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. It's really super easy. You can just save it to your bookmarks bar. So that way, when you start typing in Amazon, it just pre-fills with our link and then off you go. That's all you have to do. It's very, very simple. And we do appreciate it because it helps to cover some of our costs on the website as our website grows and the show. Definitely helps it so the website doesn't break down every time that, you know, Captain Underpants comes out and makes a new film. So. Right. So when they announce the sequel, you know, <laughs> we want to make sure that our server is up to snuff. <laughs> Also, you can now stream us on Spotify as well as iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So if you want to leave us any reviews on that one, that really does help a lot. It helps other listeners know that they should join the party, too. And lastly, you can join us on social media. We are at Rotoscopers everywhere on Instagram. We share a lot of uh, contests and giveaways. We're going to be doing some giveaways soon, so definitely Subscribe and follow us on Instagram so you can be a part of those. We have a lot of the studios send us things and we like to give those back to you guys after we're done reviewing them. Sometimes we don't even open them up and we just give them straight as a review. So definitely join us on Instagram for that. And you can find me, Morgan Stradling, on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm just at Morgan Stradling. You can find Chelsea. She's at Chelsea Robson on Twitter and Instagram and also her website, ChelseaRobson.com. All right, guys, our next episode is going to be no name. And until next time, 